Well, good morning, everybody, and, and thanks for joining us. It's been another really crazy and weird week. Things have changed so much, and this morning I'm really glad that you've joined us here for our online church. Um, and I just want to share this morning a few words about hope. I think hope is so important for us as we head into these next couple of weeks of uncertainty where everything is different. What is the nature of the hope we have? How can we hold on to it? This week has been a week of collective loss for a lot of people. So many people have lost their jobs, their, their livelihoods. People are worried about their financial, financial situations. But there's all sorts of other losses that are going on around us. They might seem small and, and insignificant, but when they begin to add up, they can become quite large. Like, for example, tonight, it's Friday night. I'm uh, in a little town called Cobbity, which is right next to Camden, and you might have heard of the Camden show before. It's um, still a country show, as we'll tell you, in Camden, uh, and it's the biggest country show in Australia outside of the Royal Easter show. It is the social moment here in Camden, and it was meant to happen this weekend. You can tell it was meant to happen this weekend because it started to rain last night, and that's a pretty usual thing for the Camden show. And for an entire year, people have been focused all around uh, this area on the Camden Show. People have been getting their livestock ready. They've been growing their giant pumpkins. Um, my, my kids in school have, have been doing their colouring in. People have been getting their craft and baking their sponge cakes and, and all of those things. It's something that people look forward to. But today, for the first time in a really, really long time, around about 80 years, it's, it's not happened and that is something that is a loss to people. It might not seem huge and, and significant in the scheme of what's happening around the, the world, but we need to be aware of these moments of loss that we're experiencing through this time. Uh, you might have uh, been on, watching the TV on Tuesday night when our Prime Minister Scott Morrison got up and he began to talk about taking us to stage two restrictions here in, in Australia. And so talking about all of the things that were going to change, and uh, one of those things that was going to change was the nature of, of weddings. And, and a lot of you will know my wife, she's a, a wedding photographer, and she actually had a wedding planned for this weekend. And she'd also been called by uh, another person who had moved their for wedding forward to Thursday. And within 15 minutes of Scott Morrison's announcement on TV, she got the first phone call. We're moving our wedding Till Wednesday so we can sneak it in before the new restrictions come and then not long after that the, the Facebook message came from the second wedding um, now Bethany she's a wish she was able to, to arrange someone else to come in and do it but those are both moments that are potentially moments of loss moments that were long hoped for you know bride and groom they prepare for a long time for this moment and it was going to change significantly now a cliche that we always say is that a wedding isn't about the day, it's, it's about the marriage, it's about the life. And, and the beautiful thing about both of those weddings were they still able, they were able to hold joy within them in the midst of all of the change because that moment, as much as they were missing out on the celebration that they'd hoped for, they still had hope in that relationship, in in what that marriage could become. There was still hope in that space. 
But we need to be careful at the moment of our own soul as, as we begin to see things change and we begin uh, the losses begin to weigh up. This week I, I had a moment myself where we received an email from my, my son's kindergarten teacher and it was a beautiful email just about some of the changes that they were making. But it, what came across to me was how much she cared about our kids. And one of the things we'd really hoped for for this year was that it would be a good year for Isaiah in kindergarten, that he would love it and that he'd love school and that he'd have a great time. And, and it hit me in that moment what he was missing out on over this time as he wasn't able to go to school and the relationships and the, the, the friends and, and the relationship with his teacher. And, and we've got to make sure that we hold those moments and we, we give ourselves space to, to grieve and to work through those moments. But ultimately, we want, we want to make sure of is that we don't lose hope as those moments begin to stack up on top of us. See, we're kind of just at the beginning of this, whether it's two or three weeks more or a few months more, we're going to have more and more experiences of loss where we're going to, we're going to miss out on more things. And as a matter of fact, if things become worse, we're all going to be touched by the tragedy personally of what's happening we can already look around the world and we know that the world is in this collective state of mourning as we begin to see more and more people affected by this illness as as we begin to hear the numbers of, of people die and and it can be really hard in the midst of that to have a hope for what's to come next and so i want to talk to you about the nature of hope see, There's a book in the Bible called Proverbs, and it's a book of wisdom. And and one of the Proverbs held within this book of wisdom is this from Proverbs chapter 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. And this is what we need to be really careful of in this moment as we begin to sit. We begin to feel the the pain and and the, the loss and the sorrow of of what's going on around us, the, those moments of hope. See, I have all sorts of little bits of hope every day. I have a hope in the morning that my first coffee when I get to it is going to make me feel a little bit more awake in the morning. I have hope that when I begin to talk to people throughout the day, those in, interactions with people are going to be positive interactions that make my day a, a little bit better. I have hope in all of these different things that begin to build into what a, a great day looks like. And, and at the moment, a lot of those things I, I can't in, engage with. And as those things begin to add up and the, we, we begin to lose our freedom to do the things that we, we want to do, we begin to, to, to defer that hope in, in both the small things and in the big things. And, and too much deferred hope brings about a, a, a sickness in our heart, a loss in our heart. We begin to feel hopeless. Now, hopeless takes us into a dark and, and, and often quite painful place. The, the, the second part of of this passage, this, this proverb, it says that, but a longing fulfilled is a, is a tree of life. As we begin to see our hopes come to fruition, we begin to experience life that, that comes through that. And, and so now we can kind of have an abstract hope about the future, about what will happen. And you can begin to see people talking about what it's going to be like when this is over. But it can still feel like that's so far from being fulfilled, but it's the fulfillment of our hope that brings about life in, in our own lives. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is a hope 
that ultimately can't be taken from us. A hope that is solid and steadfast and can be the very foundation of who we are. A hope that doesn't fail. See, Romans, a book of Romans uh, uh, that Paul, who wrote the, the majority of the New Testament, he, he wrote this letter to the, the church in Rome. And, and in, in this book, in chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, this is what he says. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his great grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope doesn't uh, put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, we, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him, through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also want to boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So this passage, this, this writing of Paul, it's a, a writing about hope, about the nature of hope, about the hope that we can have through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have that we will share in his glory and the glory of God in his future, in his kingdom, in what he has in store for us in his future. In the passage, it begins, therefore, since we've been justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace we now stand. I want to just focus in that, that, that thought that we've gained access. See, right now, one of the huge problems is we don't have access, do we? We don't have access to the things that we want. We, we're in isolation. We're, we've been told that to go into to, to a social isolation, to, to remove ourselves from each other. And, and the access that we usually have isn't there anymore. We don't bump into each other. We can't go visit each other. The normal things that we've set up in life to have access to each other, they're not there anymore. We have to now work hard for access. We, we need to do things that maybe are long forgotten, like the, the telephone call, the, the, the things that we, we haven't ultimately done so much. But what this passage wants us to know is that we have no need to be isolated from God. That we have an access to him through Jesus and through faith in him. It's a celebration. This passage is a celebration of access. It's a celebration in the fact that we don't need to be isolated from God. We don't need to be separated. We don't need to be apart from him. We can be near to him. We can draw near to him. We can have a relationship with him. There's nothing to stop us from being with him. 
And so we can celebrate that access with God. But the other thing that when we begin to access God, when we begin to draw near to Him and become closer to Him, what we actually learn is more, firstly, about who God is, but the nearer we draw to God, the more we learn about who we are. See, so often in life, we are what we do. The things that we work hard for. We are our job. We are our social status. We are the money that we make. We are the sport that we do. We are the hobbies that we have. We make that who we are. We work hard to get those things. But with God, when we draw near to Him, when we know this access, when we have this closeness, we begin to realize that that's not what makes us important. That's not what makes us someone special. What makes us important is that we are God's children. That we're near to Him. We, we have an almost two-year-old son. And one of the things that has become abundantly clear in this time where we're at home so, much often, uh, so often is that the thing that He wants the most in this world are His parents. And it doesn't matter what His parents are doing. We could be doing the most important thing. I actually feel in this whole time, everyone's saying maybe it's a good time to slow down. I feel like my life is sped up. I feel like it's becoming busier. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what talk I'm working on, what I'm trying to do with my work if I'm at home. It doesn't matter. All he wants is me. He doesn't care about my work. He doesn't care that I'm a pastor. He doesn't care that what I think I'm doing is important. He just wants me. He just wants to come and sit and play and and talk and read books and throw books at me if he needs to, all sorts of... But that's all he wants. See, he knows his access to me as he draws closer. He knows that's just all that's important is our relationship, the closeness that he can have to me. And it's not unlike that with God. See, we are his children. We are his beloved people. And he desires relationship. And the nearer we come to him, the, the, the nearer we recognize that the very nature of being human is to know God and to be loved like by him and, and to love him and then to share that love with others. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter any of those. What matters is that you know that you are his. See, that, that's part of this hope that can't be taken from us. As things slow down, as the world changes, as we begin to lose freedom, we can still have a hope that God is still our Father. Now, there's a a challenge in the midst of that. And see, that challenge is the challenge of suffering. See, we think when we enter into suffering, that means it's the absence of God. When things get hard, we think, well, God has gone. Because if God was with me, truly with me in this moment, then why am I suffering? Why is this hard? Why is there pain? Why is there loss? If, If God was truly with me, then why do I feel hopeless about the situation that I'm in. And, and see, so this, passage, this passage in Romans wants to speak right into that, that way of thinking. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, what Paul wants us to understand is that suffering doesn't equal the absence of God. Jesus actually also shared a similar way of thinking with us 
In John chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples about the very things that were going to happen as he died. About the pain that they were going to experience, about the fear and the hopelessness that they were going to experience when he, was, when he died and, and in the world as they began to share the message that he had for them. He says this in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. He's not saying that because... They know Jesus, there's not going to be trouble, there's not going to be pain, there's not going to be suffering. Now he's saying, get ready for this. If you follow me, you will experience trouble. There will be hardship in this world. You are going to have to go through hard and painful things. And yet in the midst of that, I want you to have peace. I want you to have peace. And the peace he's talking about is the understanding that when suffering happens, when hard things come, God isn't, hasn't disappeared. It's not that God is angry with us and he's causing suffering in his life. He's walking alongside us. He's there. And not only that, he's overcome whatever it is that we're going through in that moment. That's not the end. This moment is not the end. Again, in Romans chapter 8, Paul wants to help us understand this this way of thinking even a little bit more. He says uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Now if we are children with then we are the heirs of God and the co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. What Paul's trying to let us know is if we're the children of God, we become the heirs of God, we're the co-heirs with his son, Jesus, of all that God has for us in his kingdom. But he's saying just because we're the heirs, it doesn't mean that we actually miss out on suffering. As a matter of fact, he says to us that we share in his suffering. See, what we know from Jesus and and what we know from his life is that he was referred to as a man of sorrows. That just because he was the son of God didn't mean that he missed out on pain and suffering and hard things. No, as a matter of fact, they they were always there right alongside him until he suffered and was crucified, dying in the most painful way and and while that might not be the road exact that God wants us to take he wants us to understand that if we follow the path of Jesus then we walk a path that includes suffering and that it includes pain and it includes trouble and that might not be the most wonderful thing to hear as a matter of fact often that way of thinking flies in the face of sometimes what we believe in God that when we follow God everything's going to be perfect But if we can bring ourselves to a place where we understand that that is the path that we walk as followers of Christ, then what that actually helps us to do is understand that there is hope. That God isn't causing our suffering and that we're not suffering for no reason. If we look at the pattern that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 5, he says this, he says that um, we, we can boast uh, we, can, we can glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, here's just an interesting thing to think about. Often when we're in suffering and we think about perseverance, we think about working hard. We think about doing better. If we become hopeless, it's like in a movie when you're watching a movie and things don't go the way that you planned, then we're 
the, the person who's beginning to feel hopeless in the situation, what do they do? They work harder. They become better. They, they become tougher. They do more. They, they do more than anyone else. And it's those things that help them overcome and become victorious. But in this time, we can't work harder. We can't do more. We can't be better. In a time where we're being asked to stay at home, in a time where um, we're asked to, to sit and, and to help people out by not interacting with people, it's not that we can go to work and do better. It's not that we can teach ourselves some more stuff and, and become smarter. We, these aren't the path of perseverance. The path of perseverance here is to continually remind ourselves of who God is and who we are because of Him. To remind ourselves that we walk this journey with Him and He with us, that we're not being left Alone, and, and then Paul wants us to know and understand the nature of the love that God has for us, the hope that we can cling to because of his love. He says to us, um, you see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we ignored God, while we were away from God, while we were disobedient to God, Christ died for us, he says. And it goes on, since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him, through Jesus? For if we were, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. See, this is what we have to hope in. We have hope that God has saved us, that he's rescued us, that we have access to him and that we are now part of his family, his kingdom, his future. And while we might experience suffering right now, we still have an opportunity to persevere, to build character, to allow that character to form hope in us. It's not hopeless. It's a, it's a hope that we can put our, our feet down and have a foundation, a solid foundation to know that before I did anything right, before I chose to follow God, before I accepted his invitation, he'd already reconciled himself to me. He'd already done the work. He wasn't waiting on me. He reconciled himself to me. And I want to say to you today, if you're listening, you're watching, and you might think that, well, I can't come to God because if I was going to come to God, I'd need to change all of this stuff. And I don't know if I can change it. I don't know if I can do it. I feel far away from God. Well, I wanted, all I want to tell you is God's already done all of that. He's already reconciled himself to you. All you need to do is accept his invitation to follow him, to draw near to him, to be close to him, to step into the access that we have to him. And when we do that, we experience his love. We experience it in its fullest. Not only this, it finishes. Not only this is so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Christ Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have received a gift from him, a gift of hope, for the future, one that doesn't exempt us from these hard times, but one that gives us a hope to hold on to in the midst of it. So I want to encourage you today, draw near to God. If you've got time at home, if you've got more time on your hands, I want to encourage you, take time 
to draw near to him, to pray, to worship, to read, to, to, to talk to people. Like I said, if you want to get in contact with us, I've set up Zoom. I'm happy to chat with you about it. We'd, we'd love to help you to, to, to find how can you draw nearer to God in this time? How can we know more fully that we're part of his family and part of his future, that there's something to hope in, something to look forward to, something that we can step into that takes us beyond this moment of pain and suffering right now. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you so much for the hope we have through Jesus Christ that brings us into your family and your kingdom. And Lord, we're really aware right now that in our world, in our communities, all around us, so many people are doing it hard. They're they're doing it tough. And, And Lord, I pray that as we, we do it hard physically, Lord, that we might be able to find this place of persevering through our suffering and finding that as we do that, Lord, something builds in us that allows us to know and see the hope that you have for our future, Lord, that, that we can trust and rely on you, Lord, that there are good things in store, Lord, that Your kingdom holds all that we need, all that we could hope for, all of the wonderful and beautiful things about life. And so, Lord, help us to walk this path with you, not believing that you've forgotten us, but knowing, God, that you are here with us and that more than anything, you understand our suffering, you understand our pain because you've experienced it yourself. And so, Lord, in this space, in this time, Help us to know you better, to know your love, and to know your hope, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, and I hope to see you again next week.